Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're so glad that you can join us today for worship. In Psalms 146, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will praise, sing praises to God while I have my being. So why don't you rise and would you join me in singing some praises today? I'll praise in the valley, praise on the mountain. I'll praise when I'm sure, I'll praise when I'm doubting. 
Let's continue to worship our God. We want to praise you, dear God, for bringing us into your house again, to continue to worship you, to continue to know you, and to continue to be known by you. We thank you, dear God, that even as we pray, your son Jesus Christ is making intercession for us. And I pray you look upon each and every one of our hearts and forgive us for our sins so that our prayers will be like honey to you, dear God. We thank you once again for being here with us. God, we thank you for all that you've done in our lives. We thank you for the men's retreat that occurred this weekend and, uh, and is still going on. I pray that you'll continue to help these men to grow deeply in their love and understanding of you. And again, that they will be known by you. And I pray that you'll give them safe travels as they come back to their various homes. God, even so, we think of the women's and the youth retreat that will be coming up in the next few weeks. We pray that God that you will again Make yourself known to them, and they would grow deeply in their love and understanding and awe of you, as you do the same in each and every one of our lives who is here today. And again, that you will be with them as they travel, and that we will all be safe. God, we think of all the leaders in our church, our pastors, our deacons, our trustees, our teachers, our heads of the Sunday school program and the education program. We think of the youth group. God, we pray that our lives will be living for you in a strong and mighty way. We pray that you'll continue to give all of us who are helpers the sacrificial giving of ourselves to you and that our work will not be in vain as we work with the various teachers and adults and children and the youth group. God, we thank you that you've placed us here that we can serve you in such a mighty way. God, even as we continue to praise you, we, we think of our city, we think of our country, God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit and truth would reign in our land. God, I pray that men's and women's hearts would be turned to you and they would want the truth to be known as well. I pray that you'll help our leaders to be good stewards of what you've given them. God, that they would do the right thing in your eyes. We need you so badly this day, dear God. God, as we um, continue to worship you, I pray for the servant that you've brought here before us today. I pray that you'll give him your spirit, I pray that he would impart the word to us and our hearts would be quickened and that we would grow in love for you this day. We ask you these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Okay, morning. Uh, my name is Hosea. I came from mainland China and grew up in a family full of abuse, fighting, and neglect. I always dreamed of leaving that terrifying home and never going back. 
In 2010, I went to college in a different city. Finally, left the family I feared and hated. I was very lost and depressed. There's no home where I could feel safe or happy. In my freshman year, some American and Filipino English teachers invited me to their homes and taught me that all suffering is caused by the sins of the world. And God so loved us that his son Jesus died for our sins and whoever believes will join his eternal home. So they introduced me to the local church and I was immediately attracted by their loving community. I thought, oh, this is like a happy family and God is an adoptive parent. I soon joined the church, accepted Christ as my savior and got baptized. I eagerly wanted to fit in with this new family and not disappoint my new parent, God. But I constantly feel a strong disconnection. I openly share how God blessed me, but in my heart, I didn't feel authentic adoration or appreciation towards God. I always ask God to rescue me from problems without me wanting to come close to him. I served in many ministries as duties, hoping God would approve me a little more. I kept a good religious appearance to cover up my relational and emotional brokenness. I was resentful of God's high standard against sin. I fought my sin hard, but God seemed to keep raising the standard bar and push me further to exhaustion. In 2015, my ministry fell apart and I left the church I called home. I fell into major depression again. In the darkest valley, I found a precious truth. I can tell God how I truly feel, even with my doubts, anger, and disappointment toward him. And God gently came to me without condemnation or belittling my feelings, pointing out that I have been projecting my parents' image on him. I have been pushing away God's love like a wounded homeless child who refused to be comforted. God will never neglect or abandon me. Psalm 27 says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Even in my time of suffering, God suffered with me and for me. He came to earth as a suffering man, hungry, walking in exhaustion, humiliated and tortured, and died on the cross so that I could have a life. God is also not the angry father I had to run away from. First John says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives, drives out fear. His love is unconditional. It is called grace. He loves me as who I am. Even I failed, sinned, and was angry at him. He knows all about that from the beginning, and he still loves me, and adopts me as his broken but beloved child. In his grace, I don't have to hide my sins with shame. 
but confess with joy because his blood washes away all of my sins. In 2017, both my parents got baptized and accepted Christ as their savior. I reconciled with my parents in the family of Christ. The Lord loves and welcomes the broken people. This is my testimony. This is a scripture reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, greetings from Hong Kong again. This time I come because my daughter will have with her wedding ceremony today. So anyway, so um, so my daughter is getting married, and I'm so I'm 60 years old. I'll be 60 years old this December, and that's uh, partly the reason I choose this psalm. You know, this psalm, Psalm 90, is actually a psalm. Uh, it's probably written by Moses, you know, in his old age. This is a psalm of an old man reflecting on his life. And 60 years, so he's kind of getting old. So that's why I think I can preach on this psalm now. Okay, um, all right. So the psalm, okay, the structure of the psalm is like, uh, there may be three parts of it. Depends how you divide it, three or four parts. The uh, first part is verse one and two is describing God, what is his character, and then verse three to verse four, but verse twelve, verse three to verse twelve is the, uh, like the psalmist lament, but eleven and twelve is kind of like a turning point into lament. So you may say it's a part of part two, or it may be a different part. Okay, but it's after reflecting on 
somehow, somewhat a miserable situation, then, you know, he has some conclusion. And then verse 13 to the end, to 17, is a prayer to God, given the fact that our life is like that. So let's look at the psalm, you know, the three parts. The first part is the psalmist is reflecting on the character of God. What, what, how, what is our God like? And he was like the psalmist is God's eternity. So verse 1, you've been our God, you've been our dwelling place through our generations before the mountains were born. You brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So God's eternity is something that really strikes the uh, psalmist. He, he lasts forever. How so amazing. God is so amazing. But then after looking at this amazing character of God, soon um, the psalmist turned to look at human beings. And by contrast, he found human beings in such miserable situation. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. Behind this verse is, of course, the story of Genesis, where, you know, it says that God formed Adam, the first human being, from this, the, the, you know, the Adam from the soil on the, on the earth, so they are dust. So, even though God lasts forever, we human beings return to dust very soon. Just a little footnote, uh, verse 3, the word turn, and verse 13, the word relent. Actually, the word relent there is also the word turn, turn back to us. That's what verse 13 is saying. But we'll go back to, to this word turn. Why is this significant? But anyway, here in verse 3, the psalmist is the lamenting that we all, we human beings, we will all turn or return to death soon. So, God, you are eternal, but our life is so short. When we look at, you know, when the psalmist look at the eternity of God, it just makes himself even sadder. How come our life is so short? But our life is miserable not only because it's sought. Okay, verse 4 said, A thousand years is in your sight, are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. So, okay, our life is so short in front of you, we are so insignificant. But not just that our life is short, but the psalmist say is so unpredictable. Verse 5, Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is strive and withered. The psalmist is saying that we, we, we don't know, you know, when we'll die, and death, death can come so suddenly. You sweep away people in the sleep of death. Think of, you know, the rain, you know, on Friday, you know, it, it, and, and then the flooding, you know. In the flood, everything gets swept away. And our lives sometimes are just like, you know, a car or something, you know, whatever it is, you know, that just gets swept away by the flood, and soon it just disappears. And the psalmist said, how come our life is like that? The psalmist is always like saying, okay, even if our days are short, you know, give, tell us when we will die. Maybe we will plan better. I don't know what you do, you know, if I tell you, you, you're going to die in five years, okay? So take good use of the five years. Maybe we'll treasure it better. But the fact is, we, we don't know when we'll die, and sometimes death comes so suddenly. Um, in the year 2008, we have a student coming from mainland China. She just graduated, you know, in 2008 May. And because she's graduating in May, so she planned to 
you know, uh, she planned to go back to China, to Sichuan, after her graduation at the end of May. So she called her mom, uh, May 8th or whatever the day was, because that was Mother's Day. She called her mom and said, Happy Mother's Day. And then a few days later, if you remember, May 12th is the Sichuan, the Wenchuan, the earthquake in Wenchuan. So she called her mom, Mother's Day, say Happy Mother's Day, and then in a few days, the earthquake happened. And when she returned, finally managed to return to Sichuan, she found out both her parents are gone, and the Happy Mother's Day become the last thing she can say to the mother. Life is like that. You, you can't predict why. Why do things like that happen? We don't know. And then uh, my daughter, she has a friend when she was, when my daughter was in, I think junior high, something like that, you know. She has uh, one of her best friends. Uh, she has two other friends and they were called the Free Idiots at school. Uh, if you remember the movie, The Free Idiots. So, so my daughter is one of the idiots and her friend is the other idiot. Okay, anyway, th that particular friend, uh, I forgot her name, but whatever, anyway, let's just call her Mary, okay, give her a name, okay. Mary, so Mary was in junior high and, and her, her, her father, Mary's father is a police, uh, is an officer, a police officer, so Presumably, he, he's a strong man, I suppose, you can, he can be a police. But, you know, one day, uh, somehow, uh, she, they, uh, the, the father had a cold for a few days, and then somehow, the virus get into the father's heart, and the father just passed away in his sleep. Now, the father's age, I'm not sure, but then since the daughter is the same age as my daughter, so the father is probably about the same age as me at that time. So that's, that was like 10 years ago, something like that. So it's maybe around 50, you know. So um, the father just suddenly passed away in the middle of the night. And my daughter Janine told me, you know, that one of the saddest things to marry, and it's, well, of course, your father suddenly passed away is a sad thing. But to make things worse, you know, Janine's friend had a, a, a big quarrel with the father the night before the father died. And when the friend thing about it, she never had a chance to say sorry to the father. So the last thing she said to the father is just some big argument, say something nasty to the father, and that's the Last thing she can say to the father. But life is like that. We, we, we don't know when people will pass away from us. We don't know when we'll die. But things like that happen. So the psalmist feel, you know, why? Why is life like that? Why does, you know, bad things suddenly happen, happen to people we love? We don't know. And then the psalmist go on to lament about the such situation of our, in our life. We are consumed by, our, our ang by your anger, verse 7, and terrified by your indignation. Verse 8, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Now, when verse 7 talk about, you know, God's anger, the psalmist is not saying that God is, you know, someone who likes to punish us. But he's really reflecting on our own iniquities. 
And God's anger is shown to us by letting us living in our iniquities. Just let us, just let our sin triumph over us. The psalmist is reflecting that even, you know, our days are short and we don't know when we die. But even if we are living, even we are still on this earth, sometimes we just, you know, make our life so miserable because of our own sin. Verse 9, all our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a mourn. Verse 10, our days may come to 70 years or 80 years if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Why are our days just trouble and sorrow? Now, in a sense, we are better than the psalmist because the psalmist said, you know, we are, the strong may live to the 80 but uh, I, I don't know the statistics in Hong Kong, I mean in U.S., but the statistic in Hong Kong says that Hong Kong men on average live to about 83, and Hong Kong women uh, can have a life expectancy of about 88. So being 80 is not that old in Hong Kong, so yeah, we are better. But even though we, we live longer than the people at the, you know, in ancient Israel, but are our days better? Even if we live longer, are we the same? You know, that our days, we just have more trouble and sorrow where we just live longer. We quarrel with one another. We have so much grudges with one another. We can't let, you know, our, let our hurt and let our anger go away. And so we hurt one another. Um, I, you know, recently just... I think maybe a month or two ago, there's a news in Hong Kong, a very strange news. The news reported that there are four sisters. Okay, this is a real story. There are four sisters. Of course, I don't know them. There are four sisters. They, you know, they age in the 60s or 50s. So somehow their parents has an apartment, and I suppose the parents die, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, the parents have an apartment, and so the four sisters were up they were arguing about how to divide up the, 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 the money when they sold the apartment. And during the argument, somehow one of the sisters took a knife and stabbed another sister. And after that, one of the sisters set fire to the apartment. So it ended up all sisters were severely burnt because they were arguing about how to divide up the money of the, you know, their parents' house. And look at the news. I said, how stupid can people be? They are sisters. Can't they learn to live with one another? Why is money so important to them? But when we reflect on our life, sometimes we are like that, isn't it? We don't want to lose anything. Sometimes, particularly to our loved ones, we don't want to appear weak. We don't want to submit to our loved ones because we think we submit once, we have to submit forever. So we have to stand strong against you know, our spouse, our children, and so on. And so life is full of arguments and life is full of struggles. And we remember all the hurts that we received and it adds to our sorrows. My mother is in her 90s now. Um, and sometimes when you talk to her, in a, you know, when she's in, uh, she's in a senior home, but in her bad days, in, you know, when some days when she's in a bad mood, she would complain to me about my grandmother, i.e. her, her mother-in-law, you know. Uh, she would say, told me again and again the old same old story. 
when my mother married to my father, you know, my grandmother really want to have a son or, or a grandson. Okay, you know that important, right? To have a grandson, so she 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 give all those Chinese stuff. I don't know if it work or not, but she give all those Chinese herbs to my mother so that she can get pregnant easily. So and then you know, she gave, my mother gave birth to a. First baby, which is a daughter, so that doesn't work. Okay, so keep feeding her Chinese medicine, and so you know. Then, then my brother, my elder brother, was born. So my eld, my sister is the eldest one. The eldest sister was born in '61. The my brother is was born in '62, and then no, one son is not enough. So more Chinese medicine. Okay, all right. So I was born in '63. Just imagine my mother. Okay, so '61. Uh, February first child, sixty-two August second child, sixty-three December third child, me. Okay, so after three child, my mother said enough is enough. So she asked the doctor to have an operation on her, you know, the fallopian tube operation, so that she won't get pregnant ever again. But she did that without telling my grandma. She told my grandma only after the operation. So my grandma was very angry about that. How did you? How dare you do such a thing to me? And so, but all this, you know, it happens. 50 years ago, 60 years ago, I am 60 years old. That means all this happened 60 years ago. But when my father talked, no, not my father, sorry. My, my, when my mother talked about what my grandmother did to her, her anger, you know, her, 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 her anger against my grandmother, it's like as if it just happened yesterday. I, no, I want to tell my mother, you know, why, why are you angry with my grandma? She's dead, you know. <laughs> Whatever you said about her, she can't hear you. You know, why, why, why do you say, you know, keep accusing her with my grandma of all those things? You know, my grandmother is in heaven, and hopefully you will meet her one day in heaven. So, you know, think about that, okay? All this thing happened 60, 50, 60 years ago. But no. My, our days are so miserable because we remember all the hurts that people have done to us, and we can't put them down. We, we, we have to kind of hold on to it. Somehow the hurt make us righteous, you know. I'm right because you are wrong. So in, because I have to prove my righteousness, I have to remember all the wrong things you have done to me. That's particularly true, I think, in this marriage, you know. You have to remember all the wrong things or right did to you, you know, so that in an argument you can count those things out, okay, draw the bank account, all the wrong things you have done for the last 30 years. Oh, how we make our life miserable. When the psalmist reflect on all these things, is there a way out? So, verse 11, when the psalmist go to the, you know, the kind of the climax of the reflection of miserable situation, he said, verse 11, if only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach me to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Verse 11 is telling us, just acknowledge we are human beings, okay? Yes, we are sinners and we do make our lives miserable, so don't complain to God about how short our life is. We don't treasure our life enough. If we don't treasure our life, 
what right do we have to complain to God? You know, why do you take people's life away? We are already making a mess of our life. Can we do better? So verse 12, you know, at the end of the, conclus the conclusion of the section two, the God, you know, the psalmist is actually turning to a prayer. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. At the end of the laments, the psalmist come to the conclusion, it's not how many days we have that matters, it's really how we treat our days. That's the most important thing. Help us to count or number our days, okay? The older translation is count our days. Help us to count our days. It really means help us to make every day counts, okay? It's not trying to say one, two, three. It's to make our day counts, make it significant. That's the most important thing for us human beings who have such a short life. I like a song that I will share with you, a song that, um, a very beautiful song called, uh, by uh, Garbrook called um, If Tomorrow Never Came. Anyone know this song? Garth Brook, Tomorrow Never Came. Okay, nobody knows it. You should listen to it. It's, you know, it's on YouTube, okay? Okay, the song, the situation of the song is, you know, you Im imagine, okay? So a man is singing to a sleeping wife, okay? The song goes like that. I lie awake and watch her slippings of the wife, okay? She's lost in peaceful dreams, so I turn out the lights and lay there in the dark. And, thought, and the thought crosses my mind. If I never wake up in the morning, would she ever doubt the way I feel about her in my heart? If tomorrow never comes, will she know how much I loved her? Did I try in every way to show her every day that she's my only one? And if my time on earth were through and she must face the world without me, is the love I gave her in the past gonna be enough to last if tomorrow never comes? Because I've lost loved ones in my life who never knew how much I loved them. Now I live with the regret that my true feelings for them never were revealed. So I made a promise to myself to say each day how much she means to me and avoid a circumstance where there's no second chance to tell her how I feel. Have you ever thought, you know, when you look at your spouse, your children, that this day may be the last day you will meet them, that you can say something to them? The song reminds me, you know, help me to reflect, you know, and if I, when I look at my wife, if I pass away today, you know, what would my wife think about me? Does she understand that I really care about her, I really love her? Think of, you know, yeah, she, when if I have to leave the world today, what would I leave behind to my wife or to my three daughters? Will it be love and encouragement or will it be anger? And, and, you know, and antagony and, and, and accused, you know, accusations. The song really asks us to reflect on that, or the Psalm 90 really asks us to reflect on them. Make our day count so that the days that we have on earth, each day is significant because each day we live, we live, 
behind a little bit more love, we left behind a little bit more blessings. The third part of the psalm, starting from verse 13, return or relent, Lord, how long will we be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have troubles. The psalmist seem to acknowledge that since we are human beings, since we are finite human beings, as we live on earth, we will have sufferings. Maybe something happened, it's nobody's fault, somebody has cancer. Sometimes it is our fault because we, we are angry and we say some you know, nasty words to our spouse and family members. But whatever the reasons, we will have sufferings and friction on this earth. But the psalmist is asking the Lord, even though when we have suffering, he's asking the Lord to turn our suffering into joy. Even in our suffering, if we do not give up love, even our sufferings, even our difficulties, can be a source of joy and comfort to our days on earth. I remember, you know, it, honestly in my life, you know, I don't have a lot of sufferings. Um, I don't have cancer. At least I'm not aware I have one. Maybe I'll discover next month. But anyway, today I still don't know I have any cancer. And, you know, my wife is still there. My three daughters is there. You know, my eldest daughter is getting married. So, yeah, my life is pretty good, okay? But one of the, uh, if you have to name one suffering in my life that, that was really a burden, you know, I guess maybe the, the, the most important thing is when my daughter was discovered to have, you know, autism uh, when she was uh, two years old. And it's not just autism. She was diagnosed with something called the pervasive uh, development delay or the disorder or something like that, pervasive De development disorder, 3DD, which means that when she was three years old or two or three years old, we have no idea what kind of person she will grow up to be. Will she have to, you know, stay in a special shelter all her life? Will she able to take care of, her, of herself when she grew up? We have no idea. Um, but since you have this Disorder, PT, pervasive development disorder. So our daughter, our, our, my wife and I work together. I am a bookish person. So I read all the books about autism. I learn about different kinds of sorts of therapies, applied behavioral analysis. Anyone have ABA, sunshine therapy, and about food, you know, does gluten cause autism? Yeah. Anyway, I, I read all those books about my PhD and DD and whatever D, okay? And then my, do my wife's job is to really, she's the one that really take care of Erin, our third daughter. She's the one that every day she need to do some exercise. When you're discovered with autism, so the first thing you need to do is practice her attention. So she will do some, uh, uh, just the, 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 um, how do you call it? They put some uh, like marble together, a string together, you know, join the marble. You know, this is kind of a, a very simple game, but this is a game to help her, Erin, to learn how to focus. 
Now this is a this is something it may be fun if you play half an hour, but it's certainly a very boring game if you have to play every day for an hour or so. But this is something what this is what my wife did, you know, in order to train my daughter. I don't have the time because I have to study and honestly I don't have the patience either. Okay, I'm impatient person. So my wife, thanks God she has the patience to do all that. But through all the experience of working together, I, you know, encourage my wife. I tell my wife, it seems this is what Erin is doing. This is what she needs. I give her the confidence that we are working, you know, going towards the right direction. And through working together, actually the experience of nurturing Erin, uh, the child with autism, has been a blessing to our marriage. It's a journey in which I and my wife work together, complement one another, and also see the grace of God. You know, if you have a normal kid, you are not. Sometimes you are not aware what they achieve. I mean, things just come naturally. But if you have an autistic child, you are you you become much more aware that not every step is you know is natural. Like Erin, you know, she didn't call me father or dad or in Chinese or whatever language, okay? She didn't call me dad until she was about, you know, five years old, something like that, or maybe, yeah, maybe something like that, or four or five, okay? Um, she know I'm her dad, but, you know, she, her language development is delayed, so this, she didn't call me dad until she was four or five. But when she starts calling me dad, it really means something. Hey, she called me dad already. I can't tell you when Simone and Janine called me dad because, you know, just call me dad. Okay, it's so natural. I didn't notice. Okay, but the third daughter, I did notice because it is special. The psalmist is saying that, yes, there are difficulties, there are frictions in our life. This is something we cannot avoid. Okay, believing Jesus is not believing in some miracles that can take away all our sufferings. But the psalmist said at the end of the day, it's not sufferings or it's not so-called unfortunate things that matter. The thing that really matters is, is God's love in our hearts. Is God's, are we walking along with God? And if we are walking along with God, all those sufferings, all those unfortunate things that we encounter, all those bad people that we encounter, just lead us to walk with God closer, just lead us to learn how more precious our family member is. Just lead us to know that love is such a precious and wonderful thing. So the Thomas is saying that, okay, God, if we have to pass through difficulties, okay, we accept that. But at least give your blessing so that because of the love, we can turn those sufferings into days of blessing, into days where we understand your grace. At the end of the psalm, the, the psalmist said, May the favor of the, Lord, of the Lord our God rest on us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. In a way, this sounds like a very strange conclusion to this very touching psalm, work. What is, you know, why does the psalmist ask God to establish our work? Is our life only about work? 
I think here the psalmist is not thinking about, you know, your, your work in the company, you know, not, not that type of thing. You know, the psalmist is not asking, okay, if you are a programmer, okay, God help me to finish my program. No, he's not asking these kind of things. Work here refers to everything, all the efforts we have in our life. The psalmist is reflecting on the fact that, yes, our life is short, but all the efforts in our life, they left a legacy. If I'm good to my daughters, if I raise my daughters with love, then in turn, our daughters will have the strength to love their children and the people around them. And if our daughter has the strength to take care of their children, their children have the strength to take care of their, the next generation and so on. The psalmist is reflecting on the fact that all our interaction with people left behind a legacy we will pass away. We don't know how long we'll live in this world. But the legacy, the work we've done, the legacy we've left, we'll be, we'll, left, we'll be left on this earth from generation to generation. If we bless the people around us with love, the blessings will pass, pass on from generation to generation. Maybe we don't live to see it. Maybe the people won't even know how they are blessed by us. That's okay. God knows. The psalmist is asking at the end of the day, God blessed my life so that when I pass away from this earth, I will leave behind a legacy of blessings to all the people around us. And in that way, my life will honor your name. Let us end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We know we know that we don't know how many days we can live on this earth, but we pray that the days that you do give us, we will treasure those, these days. We will use this to bless our family, bless the people around us. We will count every day and make it count so that our life will shine for us. Help us, give us this grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you can rise for the response song.
In Isaiah 53, it reads, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is one of the great prophecies of the Bible predicting the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Now, today, as we go into uh, the Lord's Supper, we remember the saving work of Christ, who died on the cross on our behalf. We gather with believers all around the world, recognizing that it is only by his grace that we draw near to God. It's only by his grace that we are saved. Now, the Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Lord's Supper is a time of examination. It's a time when we remember what he has done, and, and we also remember who we are as people in need of a Savior. So uh, this is a time for believers. If you're not yet a believer, simply use this as a time of quiet meditation. But for all of us, I invite you to take a moment just to be with God, to reflect, meditate, and to lean into his grace. Maybe for some of us, we feel unworthy to take this bread. It's precisely in times like this that we need uh, to 
draw near and lean into his grace. So this is his body broken for us. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us take the cup together. Would you all pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for the saving work of Christ. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to live on this earth, live the perfect life, die uh, in our place, and rise once again. We know that as we put our trust in Christ, there is forgiveness of sins, there is redemption, and there is new life. We pray that uh, we would never allow this fact to grow cold or uh, distant, but rather this would be the one truth that energizes all of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we continue our worship uh, with the benevolence offering. Every first Sunday of the month, we have this thing uh, known as the benevolence offering. It's a time when uh, we give an offering for the needs within the church and sometimes even outside uh, of the church. Now, this is not our normal uh, offering. This is above and beyond our offering. So uh, the ushers will come forward, and this is the time for the benevolence offering. Good afternoon. So usually I leave any kind of bonus announcements uh, at the end, but if all the technology works today, I have a bonus an uh, uh, announcement in the form of a picture, which will lead into our greeting time. Let's see if, uh, here we go. All right, that's our birthday boy, 99 years old today. Does not meant to be a political announcement or anything. Uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, former president and president when I was in college, is 99 years old today. So. He's the little brother of our sister, Iris, who is 101 and a half. <laughs> so as you, uh, we'd like to uh, extend a warm welcome to you. And as you have just seen the picture, I'd like you to share with one another as you greet one another. Have you met someone famous? Go for it. <laughs> All right, if you, if you can think of any more famous people, 
uh, please don't be shy and share with one another after uh, service. Uh, Pastor Aaron just asked me if I knew any other, met any other famous people, and I, at least one more, but you know, I'll, I'll keep it short. So I'm going to go through um, your announcements today in your bulletin. Uh, we have uh, several of them. Uh, um, most of them are repeats, but uh, it'll bear some uh, repetition. So uh, in your blue insert today, you know that we're going into a new season of life groups. Uh, in addition, on the flip side, you'll also notice that we have some ongoing fellowships that are going on, men and women's fellowship, Filipino fellowship, uh, adult Sunday school, which we just kicked off this morning, our, our fall quarter, and the young adults group. So I'd like to ask, uh, you've seen him already today, but we'll ask him again. Jose and his wife, Carla, would you come up and uh, describe your uh, life group to us? Okay, my wife wanted to come up, but it's okay. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, this is Jose again. I just want to announce a schedule change for our life group. So my wife there, she has a life group with me. We are going to this study and discuss the book of First Peter. The subject is like suffering with Christ. Uh, we decided to switch the hour. So now the hour of our life group is first and third Wednesday of the month. And the Bible study will start at 7 p.m. here at the church. But uh, I will bring pizza to the place at 6.30. So if anyone wants to join for fellowship, you are super welcome. And there is a parking uh, available at the church parking lot. So that's an uh, amazing privilege. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we are starting the we are starting the, the the life group this Wednesday, so October fourth, and we have space for ten people. So please email me or talk to me after the church, uh, so that you know I can prepare the pizza ahead of time. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks. And I I, th I thought Jose and his wife were going to do a skit, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Speaking of skit, uh, you know that Lauren and Ray have been uh, promoting the Couples Conference coming up in October, so please look through your calendar and see if you can fit that. And uh, the other insert is the, um, I guess they call this salmon, salmon-colored insert in the missions conference at the end of the month. Okay, so um, keep that in mind. Uh, think about the uh, international dinner, whether you can come and you can contribute something to it, and that's what, how you respond using this uh, form. Uh, my class just began this morning, but since I just did an introduction, introduction to Tim Keller's Gospel in Life, uh, we're not diving into the, to the book uh, uh, for real until the next couple of weeks. So there's still time for you to let me know if you need a copy, and I can put in another order uh, for this week. Uh, Kids Night Out is coming. You can use the QR code to uh, find out more about that to register, and there's, that will be meeting two Fridays uh, a month. And then ongoing, we have our in-person prayer meeting on Saturday, October 14th, and our virtual prayer meeting Mondays at noon. So uh, you can continue to uh, keep those in mind on your regular calendar. And now as I ask the ushers to come forward, uh, let's uh, continue our worship by giving to the work of the Lord and our regular offering. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for what you've done. Lord, life is short, and we, we recognize that we have a finite op 
number of opportunities to even worship you. But Lord, while we do so, Lord, we, we do so in a tangible way when we give of what you've uh, prospered us with. So we ask, Lord, that uh, we would, with glad, glad hearts, give to the work of, of your kingdom uh, in these offerings. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
It's wonderful to be back with you after the sabbatical. And I, I've been to, oh, thank you. Been to a lot of different churches, and honestly, there was none as excellent as this. FBC is just a wonderful church. The worship this morning and the Spanish service, the English service, just, just phenomenal. What a blessing. What a blessing. It's great to be back with you. It was at the men's retreat yesterday. Pastor Aaron was there. Ray Moy came out on Saturday. We had such a good time. Sixteen guys went out. I think we had the largest group of men at this men's conference. Absolutely phenomenal. Now, Ken is turning 60 in December. I turned 60 back in May. I don't feel old. Because at this men's retreat conference, they had these, these games on Saturday afternoon. There was a game called Koob. Anybody ever play Koob? One per Ray, Ray played yesterday. And uh, it was a tournament. And so you needed to find a partner. So I partnered with Joe Cena because when you play yard games, you want to partner with Joe. We took the championship. That's how I know I'm not that old. Please stand for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.